0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. Chuck's here. I am, as
0: always. How's it going? You're uh, the Andy Richter to your Conan (laughs) O'Brien, as I like to say. I look a little more like Andy Richter. Right. So, There's no Conan among
1: us. No, no, no tall, seven foot tall, lanky, red haired Irishman, Irishman yeah. Yep. Pale. Man, that man is pale. He is. Um, yes, but okay, so this is stuff you should know if you couldn't tell by now. Um, and, uh, we're going to talk about midnight regulation today. Chuck, what do you think?
0: I think that's a great, great topic.
1: Okay. So, Chuck, let me paint a scene for you, right? Okay. Anytime, uh, a, a president is, is leaving the White House and a new one's coming in, there are transition teams set up, right? Right. Um, basically, you have a bunch of people who've been doing their jobs, you know, directing federal agencies, Uh carrying out new policy, talking about new policy ideas. Um, and they basically need to pass this information on to the next administration. Right. So that, you know, there's a smooth transition of power. Right. This is ideal. Ideally, this is what happens. Right.
0: They don't just put it in a folder called how to be the president and leave it on the no, desk of the no, office. No, that would be
1: really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, some, tr- some transition teams are, are more successful than others. Uh, President, uh, Bill Clinton mm-hmm. had a terrible, terrible time with it, uh, when he came into power. Um, when he was leaving though, he, he gained a little more confidence. Uh uh-huh. Uh, when he left, George W. Bush, the second Bush, took over. Right. And when his transition team showed up, they found, um, surprisingly – that most uh, most of the keyboards in the uh, in the White House offices, yeah. the, the letter W had been removed. I love that. I think
0: that's hysterical.
1: It really is hysterical.
0: You know, just just the thought of, and not one, politically speaking, but just the thought of a president playing practical joke on the yeah. on the next one. Yeah, and all so, of his aides, and yeah, so. and there was a whoopee cushion left in the chair of <laughs> right. uh, his office chair.
1: Right. Yeah. Kick me sign. Right. Um. So so that was awaiting President Bush when he took over, uh-huh. and um there was. A lot of other stuff awaiting him as well A in lot. the form of midnight regulations. Yes. Uh, uh, Clinton actually published 26,000 pages of new regulations. Yep, that's the number. That were waiting for his uh, successor. Uh huh. And every last one of them ran contrary to Bush's policies. Right. So, um, well, before we get into that, how about. What what are midnight regulations? What's, what's the definition?
0: Uh, well, I'm just going off my brain here. I don't have a <laughs> definition to read, but it's basically um, legislation that a president, a leaving president, will try and uh, slip through in the waning months of their uh, of their tenure during their midnight period. During their midnight period, which is from the time that the uh, election is held in November. Until they leave office, basically. Yeah, until the inauguration. Yeah. And every
1: every presidency has a midnight, right? There's there's the end of a presidency, and uh-huh. it's those last few months. Um, but some are way worse than others. Usually, the worst midnight periods, the the worst transitions come when one party is losing control of the White House to another party, right? And big, they big just time. they do everything they can
0: to sabotage yeah. one another. Uh-huh. So it's kind of rough. It's it's so unfriendly and. Uh, It's hostile. Yeah, it is. It's a little disheartening. Yeah, so but not not surprising. And
1: and basically, you know, if you if you if you leave thousands of pages of new regulations, um, basically what you're doing is you're you're either extending your influence as president beyond the time that you leave the White House, right? Um, you could be doing it to hamstring or handicap the ne- the next administration, right. You're basically tying their hands. Especially when it's uh, you know when a Democrat's taking over from a Republican or vice versa, uh-huh. you know the the views run so contrary supposedly that um, you know you want to keep the policymaking going, right and. Mm-hmm. It went, it's actually with a midnight regulation. It's actually exceedingly difficult to um, reverse. Right. We'll get to that in a minute. Right.
0: And Many times it's it's actually your legacy as a president has a lot to do with these midnight regulations.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of times it's the it represents the more radical fringes, right. of a presidential agenda. It's just
0: amazing that the last two months of an eight year tenure can have more of an impact than the previous, you know, seven and. Uh, 7 years and 10 months.
1: Yeah, and the, well the weird thing is, is it's it's you can sit there and watch midnight regulation going on, right? Uh-huh. Um there there but it's not an openly acknowledged activity. Right. Okay. Um so to prove that it exists some political scientists have actually um, done studies on the Federal Register. The Federal Register is the complete comprehensive guide to federal regulation. Right. And um they publish actually they publish addendums to it every day. So um some poli- some political scientists uh went back and looked at when, you know, the amount of pages published in the Federal Register. Right. Per quarter. Per quarter. Um and they found that in the midnight of a presidency Especially during, um, the transition of power Mm -hmm. from one party to another, the pages, the page volume increases like 17%. Yep. So it's odd to think that you would have to go prove it, but you know, the, the president's like, well, I'm just going about my midnight regulation right now. Right. It's, it's, it's such a cynical and, and sinister, democratically speaking, Uh tool. Um, because the president's no longer accountable. Right. Yet and,
0: so many people don't even realize it's going on. No. I know.
1: And uh, it, it's it's going on right now. You, I know you have a, a, a couple of things you wanted to mention, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got a list. Uh, there's actually a great website called propublica.org. That's P-R-O dash Publica.org, And um, you can get a full list there of uh, the midnight regulations that President Bush is trying to get through. And, um, not drawing judgment on any of them. It's up to you to decide, but he, that's a good website you can go to, uh, to actually read them and get a status on whether or not it's, um, open for comment or closed for comment or under review or approved or finalized or in effect. And we'll get to, to, to the comment part in a little bit too, right?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We will. Let's, let's, let's talk about how it works, right? Right. <clears throat> so basically, uh, the legislative branch identifies a problem um and says well we we could create this agency to address that problem say uh, the environmental protection agency right or the securities and exchange commission or whatever the fda it doesn't mm-hmm. matter all of those were created by congressional mandate right? right but it's up to the executive branch the president's side to make sure that these 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 mandates are being carried out right and how that's carried out is is left pretty much to the discretion of the president congress can threatened to withhold funding or something like that. Um, they can also repeal laws. We'll get to that in a second, too. But for the most part, the president issues regulations or the executive branch issues rules and regulations on how uh, federal agencies should act, right? right? So if you have a really pro-business president, they're probably um, not going to give the SEC a lot of power. Right. Um and if you have somebody who's very much uh, pro consumer, the SEC will likely you know look out for investors more correct through these regulations right, and it's it's a lot more than just investors. I mean, just about every aspect of our lives as Americans is impacted by these regulatory agencies. Yeah, big time. You know, I mean, like the 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 EPA. The, you and I have to go get um emissions tests every year before uh-huh. we get a new tag. Right. That's EPA. That's a federal, you know, regulation. Um, we can't uh, run around, you know, shooting heroin between our toes. DEA looks right. out for that kind of thing. Um, it, then there's just a lot more, like uh, profanity on television. That's the uh, FCC. Right. So it, it, we're impacted in, in many, many ways. This isn't like just some high-up hierarchy thing that's going on. Politically speaking, it's federal agencies are actually where the government and the public touch. Yes. Okay. That's a good way to say it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Sure. I appreciate that. So, okay. So we're impacted by this. And uh, a president's views will direct how much we're impacted. Right. Okay. Um, so these new rules are created. Uh, the, the Office of Information.
0: Information and Regulatory Affairs.
1: They review these things, right? Exactly.
0: Especially if it's big money. Involved. Yeah,
1: hundred million dollar impact or more on the economy annually. Right,
0: that's when they get you know special attention.
1: Right, right. Um, so the the OIRA is supposed to look at these things, uh, these new proposals, these proposed rules, and they're also supposed to they're, well, they're supposed to look if to see if these things are uh, cost with a cost benefit analysis. Sure. Um, they're supposed to look if the rule's even needed. Right. If there's any way to, um, you know, use market forces to stimulate the change that these rules are meant to address. Right. And any competing theories that may actually be better, competing alternatives to the proposed rule. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine for each proposed new regulation, this is, this is supposed to take a lot of time. Oh, yeah. If the OIRA signs off on the thing, um, a, a, an announcement gets published and they actually publish an announcement in the Federal Register when they're first considering it, then they publish another announcement saying what the outcome was. Right. Once, they, once the OIRA signs off on it, it and it's published in the Federal Register, either 30 days for kind of smaller things, uh-huh. 60 days for big regulation, it becomes law.
0: Right. And that 60-day uh, time period is pretty uh, important uh, because what a president will do when they're leaving office, if they hit their deadlines and get these uh, through quick enough... The sixty days is up before the next president comes in, and it makes it a lot harder to uh, undo what they've done.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. Once it's become law, it you the process to repeal it is pretty much the reverse of the process to have it become law. Right. You have to provide studies. Um, you have to provide alternatives. The the president doesn't just come in and wave his or her uh, magic wand right and say everything my predecessor just said is wrong and right. it's gone right. right
0: good try but no
1: and that's actually been a proposal to solve midnight regulation is to allow n- incoming presidents to repeal any law passed in the in the midnight period right um this is this is not necessarily the case um there this has never been entertained as far as i know it, seriously there are some things you can do as an incoming president right um to to stop this
0: regulation right what you got so once it's uh, the, the new administrations in they have to show that uh, why repealing it um, is a good idea yeah and a lot of times you have to, to provide an alternative right. uh, form of legislation right And then um, Congress actually has a tool as well called yeah. the um, Congressional Review Act and this yeah. came about in 1996
1: which is ironic because the president that signed that bill into law, was the most prolific midnight regulator of all time, Bill Clinton. Correct. Um, He had like 26,000 pages published in the register. Second to him was Jimmy Carter. Right. uh, Whose presidency the the term was coined after Mm -hmm. um, because he he just took this old-fashioned tool to a brand new level. Right. Um, But, yeah, Clinton signed the uh,
0: CRA into law, right? Right, which um, basically repeals new regulations – uh, allows Congress to um, repeal these new regulations with a simple majority in the House and Senate. Yeah. And it still requires a president's signature, though.
1: So, so it only works sometimes. And the only time that it works is when the president and Congress are controlled by the same party. Exactly. Right? Um, because if you have a president who is coming in and Congress is of an opposite party, Congress isn't going to take up the CRA to repeal anything because they were – with the old president, right? Right. And then if you have a, a president who's carrying on the same party from the old president and Congress is new and of the other party, uh-huh. they may take up, you know, uh, moves to repeal anything and the, the president's not going to sign off on it. Right.
0: And which explains partially why it hasn't been used that often. Um, even though in 2001, that was the case, I think it was only used one time. Yeah. Officially to, uh, repeal one of Billy boys.
1: Yeah. To repeal a, uh, 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 regulations that would prevent repetitive workplace stress injuries interesting yeah
0: um i think one of the things that i thought was interesting when i was reading this was uh one of the reasons cuz i thought you know why is it so easy to get these laws pushed through at the final you know final minute and that's exactly why it's because this uh they're overloaded with um you know like you said 26,000 pages but they're not given any extra staff or anything right and I think I read uh, one stat on one of these uh, environmental laws that the Bush is working with the EPA for. Um, they did the average time, and it was nine seconds. Uh, for the amount of employees that they had and the amount of comments, mm-hmm. nine seconds to read one of these comments and respond to it. Yeah. They went
1: to 200,000 public comments on yeah. one new piece of regulation in four days. Right. So yeah.
0: that kind of answers your question why it's easy to get these things through.
1: Yeah, because don't forget the OIRA is part of the Office of Management and Budget, which is a White House office. Right. The federal agencies are directed by the president, um, the 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 group in charge of reviewing these proposals are directed by the president. It's basically the executive branch running the show on this new regulation. And you know, that it is. It's very easy to get pushed through. And like I said, it's a very cynical use of power. It the is. President's no longer accountable. Another proposal for ending midnight regulation is not to allow the president to propose any more regulation During the midnight period. Like you can't make new laws anymore. Sorry. Right. You've been, you know, you've either served both your terms and somebody else has been selected or you've been ousted because someone else has been selected. Either way, your presidency technically ended on November 5th.
0: Yeah. I think that would be more effective because basically what you would do there is you would have a president who, I think a lot of times administrations kind of hold these in their back pocket because they know why trying to introduce it as law when it can be debated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or when I can be impeached. Yeah, or when I can be impeached. Yeah. When I'll just kind of hang on to this until I'm on my way out and yeah. then just kind of sneak it through the back door.
1: Now Bush actually, um, I, I heard it called the, an 11 o'clock regulation flurry. Oh, really? Yeah, because he, his uh, chief of staff, Joshua Bolton, apparently sent a memo out to all agencies saying, if you want new stuff uh, in... Prepare it by June first, so we can have it
0: passed by November first. Right. So which is well before the uh the deadline. Well I think they did that because um President Clinton famously did not get his uh through within the sixty day period. He waffled until the end, didn't he? And he did. Well he was busy with uh defending himself a lot of that time. So yeah, that is true. Not making excuses, but there was a lot going on in his final years, let's just say that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true.
0: So uh yeah he didn't get his in on time and so President Bush was able to come in and get a lot of those turned back.
1: Well he he Bush like Clinton and Reagan uh issued an executive order that says just anything that's under review right now that hasn't been published in the federal register right. it's suspended. Right. Uh but you can't you can't just do that. You have to you're fighting a political fight a lot of times. Uh-huh. When Bush came in one of the things that Clinton had left for him was um a, a new regulation on acceptable arsenic levels in the water supply. Correct. And, um. Just one. I mean, that was just, just one. one of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, th- it would have a, an impact on business. And, um, as we all know, Bush is so pro-business, you could also make an argument that he's anti-consumer. Um, and he's just always kind of been on the side of business, right? Right. Uh, he didn't like how it impacted things like mining uh the mining industry uh water um the water boards who would have to you know step up their their water purification right not water boarding don't get confused no that That's, came later right um so uh he basically said this one in particular is suspended and I'm going to fight it to the death uh-huh. and he spent a lot of political capital after he came in fighting this regulation that he ultimately had to bite and you know, except right, and he ended up eating eighty uh, percent of them.
0: Well, I think he was on record saying that he that was a big mistake on his part, correct? Yeah,
1: because he became painted as a basically an anti-environmentalist from right. the get-go. But that's not necessarily to say that um, that
0: wasn't a deserved reputation from what he's doing right now. Right, um, most of and if you go to this ProPublica site. Most of the uh, midnight regulations he's trying to get through have the letters EPA at the front of them. So um, regardless of what side you're on, they are environmental uh, issues. Yes, we – yes. Trying to stay fair and balanced here. Uh, I could read a few of them to you just by title. We won't get into them because it would take too long. But um, power plants be exempted from installing pollution controls. Uh, The EPA may ease restrictions for power plants near national parks. Um, EPA may allow certain hazardous waste to be used as fuel. Uh, I read another one about rocket fuel being allowed in drinking water. Uh, fisheries, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of research on uh, fisheries right now because yeah. I'm writing about uh, fishing quotas. Sure. And um, there's a lot of work being done to basically allow, to push the science out of it. As far as studying uh, fish uh, well, there, populations, yeah,
1: there won't be any independent scientific review,
0: right? Right. It's Who's basically going to saying be
1: deciding whether it has an environmental impact.
0: Well, the fisheries are going to be deciding that, and I think we all know the fisheries are probably going to say, "Hey, let's keep fishing."
1: Well, that's not. I, I read uh, uh, somebody who is part of a uh, special interest uh, fishing fishery group uh, who is saying, "No, no, that's not true. We'll we'll self-regulate." But
0: I think it's one of those things that's yet to be seen. Yeah, I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to things like companies self-regulating themselves. So yeah. there's been a lot of proof over the years to kind of uh, you know, back that up.
1: I got another one for you. What's that? Financial planners will no longer have to uh, disclose any conflict of interest in the advice they give to anybody. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and there's one called the right to conscience uh, rule. Basically, it says that if you are a health care provider, you, you can't not hire somebody if they would refuse to provide birth control. Right. Which, basically, then, you know, you have you have protection. It, it, it's a right to conscience. It's based on abortion. Uh-huh. And a doctor can refuse to... You can't force somebody to perform an abortion, in other words. Right. They have a right to conscience. This So, basically, this extends that to contraception, which now kind of equates contraception with abortion, which... Has a lot of people a little nervous,
0: right? I think this. I don't think this is the same one, but it's another one that has to do with abortion. It's uh, federally funded institutions can turn people down for an abortion um, for moral and religious reasons.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the same one. It's, is that part it's of the same one? It's pretty
0: expansive. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So um, there's a lot of stuff. We have a lot of a lot of big changes to look forward to. I also heard there's some uh, oil drilling going on now in a uh, polar bear habitat. Right um but uh yeah we'll look to see what obama can do cuz you know a lot of these things very much fly contrary to things he's publicly said he he opposes right or they they fly in the face of his views right but he may have a hard time doing it cuz bush did it right it sounds like
0: yeah i think regardless of what political spectrum what side of the spectrum you fall on it's just fascinating to look at the push and the pull of uh, the transition, you know, between administrations, it's, it's fascinating.
1: It absolutely is, and, and also if you think about it, what Bush did with the uh, right to conscience thing, mm-hmm. he basically just set Obama up for a uh, a, a national fight about abortion, right. right out of the gate, right. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it's handled. Because he didn't have enough to worry about. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here's this too. Yeah. So uh, midnight regulations. There you have it. Yeah, it's a good one.
0: And uh, Chuck, you know what time it is, right? It is time, Josh, for listener mail. All right, so what do we have? Uh, I've got a few uh, quick ones today. I've got a couple of corrections okay? um, because we get stuff wrong. People, you might not realize that this is largely unscripted, so we'll bring up something we didn't even know we were going to bring up, and sometimes we don't have the exact fact on that. So we count on the listener to uh, point us in the right direction sometimes. What? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. In this case, uh, Daryl Kowalski of Denver sent us a message uh, about the OCD podcast. Yeah. And uh, he says he wants to make a correction on something about when I mentioned Chris Jackson, the uh, basketball player, mm-hmm. uh, changed his name to uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf in 1991, and he actually had Tourette syndrome, not OCD.
1: Yeah, there's kind of
0: a big difference. Uh, actually, there's not. Really? Yeah. So I will school you like I uh, school Daryl in my email reply, or like Chris Jackson would school both of us in basketball. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Actually, I'm not bad. A, a, I'm
1: pretty sure Chris Jackson could.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, if he's done tying his shoes, which is, was part of the problem. Uh, Tourette's and OCD actually are often misdiagnosed as uh, one to the other because they have a lot of the same symptoms. I got you. So one of his deals was he spent so much time tying his shoes or to hit the perfect shot before he left the court. So that was actually Tourette's at work, but they're very similar in some ways.
1: Hey, brief aside, have you ever seen the documentary Twitch and Shout? No. It's about Tourette's. It is one of the best
0: documentaries I've ever seen in my life. I have to add that to my cue. Yeah. Uh, I have another one um, on guerrilla gardening. Someone wrote in uh, from the Netherlands, our friends in uh, Holland. Ooh. Dave N. says that uh, Josh's comment on Bowery being a Dutch farm is wrong. Uh, that was true in the old days, but that word is uh, long gone, basically, in the Netherlands. And now the word for farm is... Uh, Pronounced, uh, he gave me an English pronunciation. Thank goodness. Uh, bordery. Borderei or bordery. Yeah. And uh, that's what a farm is now in the Netherlands. I need to brush up
1: on my Dutch. So We were wrong there. I could, I could really make my way in like you know sixteenth century Never- Netherlands. But right. you do well. You know, for apparently now they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about?
0: Right. And uh, I've got a final quick one uh, from uh, our fan Devin Wallace. Wrote in basically, he was one of these guys that writes in and says, "Hey, say my name on the air." And I wrote him back and said, no, no, Devin, that's not how it works. You need to give me something. So I requested that Devin write a haiku. And uh, if he did that, then we'd mention his name. And And he did, too, didn't he? So here's his haiku. Mountains and rivers, red squirrels hiding in trees, huge rocks in the park. Beautiful. And depending on whether you think squirrel is two syllables or one, I'm debating his haiku. Well, you say squirrel. Well, I say one syllable, in which case this is not a haiku.
1: Oh, so Just squirrel a- roll would make it a haiku. Yeah, a haiku. <laughs> we'll <laughs>
0: go high-Q. with that. We'll go with that. Right. So uh, thanks, Devin, for the haiku. No, yes, thank well you. done.
1: Squirrel roll. Squirrel roll. Well, uh, if you want to learn more about squirrel rolls, um, midnight regulations, of course. And actually, uh, we have a great um, video on Tourette's on the site. Sure. You can find all that stuff at howstuffworks.com.